You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time. It is time. They can't be the Packers. No. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. Excited about the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It, look, it wasn't pretty, but come on. <laughs> Going into that game, as banged up as we were, as banged up as they were, you knew it was not going to be a pretty game. And a win over Tom Brady, no matter how you get it, is always worth celebrating. Uh, the dude finds ways to win, and it's not just him. Uh, that defense is talented, it's it's true as is usually the case with Tom Brady uh, defenses. <laughs> He's one of the best defensive players of all time. Uh, I certainly think that the 50-plus uh, yards of missed penalties by the refs for holding on Rashawn Gary, uh, Preston Smith, and others certainly helped keep the Buccaneers in the game, no question about it. Uh, the Packers' offense did fizzle and sputter out in the second half, the blocking really was not pretty at that point. I did not like what the offensive line did. The first half I thought was quite good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I watched the first two and a half quarters live. And at that point, I was watching with family. And when Rodgers threw his interception in the third quarter, um, it kind of, I'm not going to say that it like made us quit watching, but it kind of like snapped us out, you know, snapped us back to reality of like, oh yeah, we we had other stuff we wanted to do. We were not going to watch the whole game right now. Uh, did go back and um, checked out the end of the game uh, that I had missed. Wow, what a nail-biter. Devondre Campbell had himself a day, which I'm uh, excited about because I don't feel like he's been that great so far this year. Uh, I think he and Rasul Douglas have both regressed a lot more toward who they have um, always been in their careers. Devondre is the guy that I have more confidence in to bounce back than Rasul, largely because I saw more in Devondre when we first picked him up than I did in Rasul. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad we have Rasul Douglas. I think that he has made some good plays. Um, 
especially last year, but even this year, I think he's already made some good plays. I think our team is better for having him than it is without him. Um, but I think that he's clearly the third best corner on this team. And the uh, transition to slot seems to be going um, more poorly than we had hoped. But I say all that. Um, the defense still looked really, really good. Uh, front to back, I thought the defense was fantastic. Our pass rush is is really doing yeoman's work. I want to take a look at the issues that I had highlighted a week ago as my concerns for the team and see you know the, the new status of those uh, after this game. But do a couple items of note. Uh, we picked up Corey Ballantyne. Uh, he's a cornerback who has played for uh, the Giants, the Jets, and the Lions. No surprise at all. He was the worst with the Lions. Uh, but that's true of just about everybody who goes to Detroit. Um, for the Giants and the Jets, he was a really good returner, uh, kick returner. Um, by the way, he's on the practice squad. We did not sign him to the active roster. I do think this is worth keeping an eye on. I do not think that we picked him up for his ability as a uh, cornerback. He, I mean, since 2021, he has not played on defense at all. In 2020, he did play uh, 107 total snaps in four games. Uh, as a giant, he played against Pittsburgh, Chicago, San Francisco, and Philly. The only game that he had, um, I mean, any, any traction at all, uh, was in week seven against Philly. He didn't grade out very well, uh, but he did come in on pass rush. He got one pressure. Um, and that was kind of the only week where he didn't have any really negative stats. Uh, he had two missed tackles against Pittsburgh that week. To put it simply, the dude is not good on defense, or at least he hasn't been. Uh, and you look at uh, 2019, which is the only other year that he played in defense. That year, his kind of calling card was run defense. He was a good run defending corner. Um, he never had a bad grade ever. On run defense and the final game he played in week 16 against Washington he had an 83 run defense grade that was on 16 run defense snaps he recorded four tackles and an assist he also had three run stops in that game um let me see here in 2020 how many run defense snaps did he play not very many he had four sorry he had, uh he had 27 in week one 12 in week two, and then one and four in weeks three and seven. So look, let's look at um, the game where he played 27 run defense snaps. That was the game where he had two missed tackles. He did have six tackles, but he had two missed tackles. So a quarter of his uh, tackle attempts were misses and uh, no run stops. Now the following week, no missed tackles. He had one tackle and uh, it was a stop. So run stop. So negative play for the offense. So the dude does defend the run decently well. He had that one bad game at the beginning of 2021. He since 2021, he's never gotten any opportunities on defense. 
But if you're a corner and the only thing you're good at is helping defend the run, and then you had one good pass rush grade as a corner one week on two attempts uh, in which you recorded one pressure, I just, I don't like it. This is not what we are looking for in a corner. So, uh, so he's a, he's a kick returner. So I think this is worth keeping an eye on because I don't think Amari has been great. Wow. Shocker. Somebody out there who thinks that Amari hasn't been great, but I mean, Amari is completely off the offense right now. Um, and I don't think he's doing a fantastic job on special teams. Am I giving up on the guy? No, he's just a second year player, but I mean, man, nothing is looking up for him at all. And then they signed this guy who has kind of been an ace kick returner. Uh, at least this is this is the reputation he has. Uh, let me see here. So he has a career average of 24.4 yards per kickoff return. In the 2021 preseason, he had a 73-yard kickoff return against the Packers while he was with the Jets. So that's almost interesting. I don't remember that, probably because it's that memory is overwritten by all the other huge uh, kick returns that teams had against us that year. And by the preseason, I was already extremely frustrated with our special teams. Uh, Ballantyne spent training camp this year with the Falcons, but did not make their final roster. Um, and then he went and spent two weeks on the Cardinals practice squad last month. May I remind you, last year, Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas were both uh, released by the Cardinals. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, you know, this this Cardinals to Packers pipeline. It's been pretty good recently. Anyways, let's talk about some positives from the game. Uh, Tom Brady entering this game, um, was averaging 2.26 seconds to get the ball out. Um, and that was the second highest in the league. Uh, last week we made him speed up considerably 2.17. We shaved off 0.08 seconds off of his time to throw. That was the fastest in week three. He had to, because our pass rush was, Absolutely dominant. 10 total pressures on 50 dropbacks for Brady. Uh, so quick math tells you that's exactly 20% um, pressure rate for the whole defense. Three sacks, one hit, six hurries. Very much a down day for Preston Smith, uh, but I did notice him coming in on a couple uh, key plays. So, you you know the dude didn't register a single pressure, which is disappointing. But uh, he did get some work done in run defense. Rashawn Gary had three pressures and a sack, two hurries. Kenny Clark had three pressures, two sacks and a hurry. Those two guys were getting it done. Devonte Wyatt came in on just five pass rush attempts and registered a sack and a hurry. Sorry, a pressure and a hurry. It was almost really exciting. Um, and Devonte Wyatt. I don't care about the stat at all. I really don't like win percentage as a stat because if you sort uh, the guys who have the best uh, win rate, you don't get a list of the guys who would seem to be the top guys. It's a random, weird assortment of, of players. But he did win on 40% of his five reps. In other words, he won twice on five reps. Overall, the tackling was phenomenal. Looking at um, 
Uh, Devondre Campbell was the only guy with a bad tackling grade. I don't know what's going on with him. Tackling was his bread and butter uh, last year. This this game he had two missed tackles. So you add that to how many does he have? I think he already had like eight. Um, let's see, missed tackles. Oh, just five. All right, he only had he only has five, but uh, two of them came in this most recent game. Um, other missed tackles, none. Uh, Thirty-eight total tackles. Um, I mean, the the next lowest tackling grade after Devondre Campbell's fifty-one point five is Jaron Reed at sixty-seven point three. Not half bad. Um, so everybody else who was out there had a positive tackling grade. This is huge. I ranted about it for like most of the episode last week that uh, guys' tackling grades for the first two weeks were abysmal. Listen, Matt LaFleur worked these guys to the bone in practice after the Bears game. And we saw some negatives of that. Uh, a couple guys, uh, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, got hurt. Uh, and I know there are other guys who had soft tissue injuries as well. Sammy Watkins is on IR. Uh, Matt LaFleur came out and said, I should not have uh, worked these guys so hard in practice. But... We know what the cost was. Here are the dividends. Phenomenal tackling. Only two missed tackles on the entire day, both by the same guy. Everybody else did a fantastic job tackling. If we want to be a championship defense, we have to tackle well. We're already getting the quarterback pressures that we need. The run defense is not fantastic. We did a much, much better job this week against Leonard Fournette, who, again, I will reiterate, and I think I said it on this podcast, maybe it was just on No Huddle Radio, my other podcast, but before the game I said, I don't think Leonard Fournette is a very good running back. He is running behind a good offensive line, but I've never thought Fournette was a good running back. Well, he only got 2.9 yards per attempt uh, this week. He had 2.7 the previous week against the Saints, who have a very good defense. Uh, and then against Dallas the week before, he had six exactly, six yards per attempt on 21 attempts. Last year, he had four and a half yards per attempt. It looks like the lowest of the entire season was two yards per attempt against the Rams. Uh, they lost that game. And then his second lowest was 3.3. So uh, his 2.9 against the Packers this week um, would be the second lowest in the last two years for him. So phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, the Packers defense did their job. They limited him. He had 12 attempts. Uh, he only got 35 total yards. Uh, he got 1.92 yards per attempt after contact, which is much lower than what he had against the Saints, 2.46. So so that reflects that good job that they did of tackling. I am very, very, very pleased with what we saw out of the defense this week. And I complained a lot about the defense after the first two weeks, both on Twitter and on both podcasts. So congratulations to the Packers defense on um, improving so much from week two to week three. This is fantastic. Uh, keep it up. This level of play that we're getting from the defense right now, this is good enough. The offense obviously needs to uh, catch up. 14 points is embarrassing. However, I thought the offense looked pretty darn good in the first half. Now, we had two fumbles in this game. 
so that makes, I think we've had a fumble every single week this year. I mean, it's only three, uh, three weeks, but that's four fumbles in three weeks. Uh, I thought Aaron Jones fumble um, into the end zone was pretty backbreaking because we clearly were about to score. And if the final score is uh, 21 to 10, you feel a lot better about that than the 14 to 10, or I'm sorry, uh, 14 to 12. Uh, somebody else who deserves a shout out, Eric Stokes had the third highest grade of any player. Um, and it's worth highlighting because the two guys ahead of him are Devontae Wyatt, who played only seven snaps. Eric Stokes played 65. So I think that that's much more significant. And Kenny Clark, who did play 50 snaps, uh, but he's an all pro. So you got the 87.4 grade for Kenny Clark, 75.9 for Eric Stokes. I'm just really pleased with what he has done. Um, I uh, Week one against the Vikings, uh, I thought Stokes was kind of just okay. Um, Rasul kind of was the one in my mind who made more mistakes than uh, Stokes did. But week two, I thought Stokes really stepped up and looked great. This week, you know, if you if you toss out the seven snaps that Devontae Wyatt played, which is third lowest on the team ahead of only Shamar Jean Charles, who had two, and Jair Alexander, who played six and then got hurt, seeing Stokes step up and be cornerback one again for the team, uh, that was really cool. Um, and then I don't care what the grades say. I thought Keyshawn Nixon did a really good job. You know, he obviously had those two big back-to-back plays, but also just on a down-to-down basis. Um, I, I liked what I was seeing from him most of the time. There were two snaps where I felt like he was really out of position, um, and I wasn't thrilled with that. I think he was supposed to be covering uh, Fournette, but then I also thought Keyshawn and Rudy Ford killed it on special teams. Really excited about that. Special teams has looked quite good um through this one game and some of what we saw in the bears game special team seems to be taking on an identity so as long as this continues kudos to rich bisaccia for uh getting these guys fired up and uh instilling some culture on that side of the ball offensively again i loved what we did in the first half i thought the play calling was fantastic kudos to matt lafleur um, I really liked the way guys were uh, freelancing and and making stuff up on the fly. Uh, some of those plays that were getting run were kind of ridiculous and should not have been gains. I think um, in particular, there was a, a short little shovel pass. Um, shoot, who caught it? Was it Dylan or Deguara? It was one of those two guys um, that... Uh, really just made me laugh out loud because it just it looked so frustrating to try and defend. It's like, what what can you even do if you're the Buccaneers defense in this scenario? And he ended up getting a first down. And the other play was caught by Robert Tunyon. And to my untrained eye, I really, really think that Tunyon made the magic happen there. I don't think that it was a design play for Tunyon to shed his block and run out and catch a pass. I could be wrong, could totally be wrong, but I think that he made that up on the fly. And and uh, he and Rodgers just connected. They had a mind meld. As you guys know, if you've been listening, I have not been really high on Tunyon ever. I don't think he's that great of a tight end, but I really like the connection that he and Rodgers have. I think they're on the same page. 
I think Rogers trusts him. And moments like that, maybe that was designed. Uh, it sure didn't look designed. Moments like that, I think, are where it really pays off. So um, I don't want to talk about A.J. Dillon. I thought he sucked in this game. And uh, I'm benching him in fantasy this week because of it. <laughs> uh, uh, Aaron Jones thought was was good, not great. Um, I thought that he, you know, if he hadn't had that fumble, I think that his day looks uh, really different because he was about to score a touchdown. And I think that, I think it's likely that he still goes ahead and, and gets the touchdown, even if he doesn't convert on that one play. But that was a really, really bad fumble. Uh, that might be one of the worst fumbles I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, it's not the butt fumble, but this was bad. He did not know that he was about to get tackled from behind. He wasn't expecting to get hit. And the ball wasn't punched out or anything. He just got hit in the back and flung his arms wide open out of, I don't know, surprise or panic or just trying to catch himself and just dropped the ball. I think, man, you know, butt fumble number one. And then this is probably the second worst fumble I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but the rest of the day, I thought he did decent. Uh, I would have liked to see them run it a little bit more with him, but they stuck with the run game long enough to get the victory. And that does really matter. Let's give Aaron Rodgers some credit. Uh, the offensive line, which we're about to talk about in a second, did him no favors. This was a horrific performance by the offensive line, in my opinion. Uh, I thought that basically all of our um, offensive linemen, except for Bakhtiari, kind of sucked including Elton Jenkins. Um, but Rogers uh, was blitzed 17 times. He completed 14 passes for 160 yards and two touchdowns and interception uh, while being blitzed. Uh, in the second half, it seemed to me that Tampa was not blitzing as often and leaving an extra guy in coverage. And we know historically this is what... Um, has neutered Aaron Rodgers passing attack is when you can get pressure with just your front four without bringing a blitz. When the bucks blitzed him, he shredded them. So they quit blitzing him. Um, but you know, getting the 14, almost 21 points, uh, in the first half off of their blitzes, I thought was huge. I made some comments during the game on Twitter that I thought that his accuracy was not great. Um, I asked Ryan to look into it because he has access to SIS and gets those advanced stats. He said that Rogers' catchable passes and his on-target passes were both sitting at 87.5%. So that's pretty darn good. So, um, you know, my, my eye test said that I thought he looked uncomfortable in the pocket a lot of the time. I thought that his accuracy was not what it needed to be, but the numbers disagree with that. So I'm going to rest that case. Going to take a quick ad break right here and be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's talk about the blocking. Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, A.J. Dillon, Jack, Jake Hansen, and Mercedes Lewis. Those are the top five highest graded pass blockers on the team this past week. Um, not what you want to see. I'd like the top five guys to be the top five offensive linemen, not Jake Hansen, who came in for two snaps. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, AJ Dillon, who had a terrible day and, uh, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari is the only guy in the top five who is actually an offensive lineman. I thought he did a, um, a fantastic job for coming back off of his injury. Um, similar performance to what we saw out of him in that Detroit game last year. Um, you know, basically he played one game um, a year after his injury and then a second game not quite two years after his injury and uh, did better than Elton Jenkins did coming off of, um, you know, last week coming in for the Bears game. Elton, uh, as I said last week, didn't look good last week. And I said, that's fine. Uh, cut him some slack, give him some grace, let him get up to speed uh and he rewarded us with allowing three pressures and three hurries and turning in a 53.5 pass blocking grade now in true pass sets it's a little bit higher 67.2 i'm not sure how you get a higher pass blocking grade in true pass sets but uh i guess i guess he really was not great on like uh throwaways and stuff maybe is that how it works i don't even know Josh Myers uh, was the only other offensive lineman besides Bakhtiari who had a positive pass blocking grade, 71.5. He did allow a pressure and a hurry. Uh, Was he penalized this game? No, just the one penalty last week. So um, I thought he did better than he has been. Um, I still thought some of the snaps from him were a little bit high, but we didn't have any fumbles this week, so that's great, or at least no fumbles. Um caused by Josh Myers, but Royce was horrible, 55.5, and in true pass sets, his 
pass blocking grade goes down to 28.4. He gave up three pressures, a hurry, a hit, and a sack. Dude was basically useless out there. Uh, John Runyon was one of the lowest graded players on the team. 53.1 pass blocking grade. And uh, we'll get to his, everybody's run blocking in a second. But I think his run blocking was even lower because... 53 is much higher than his uh, overall grade was. Yash had himself not a fantastic day. He had a 45 pass blocking grade on uh, 19 opportunities. He did allow a hit and a pressure. So two out of 19, what is that? A little over 10%. So not fantastic. So I actually just went ahead and recorded a segment about the run blocking and I decided it was really boring. It was just a bunch of numbers and grades. So um, Elton and Royce did a good job run blocking. Uh, nobody else did a fantastic job run blocking, um, but that nobody else kind of just was wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, Aaron Rodgers on a few snaps, which is interesting. Uh, <laughs> um, and the uh, offensive linemen, uh, Josh Myers, Bakhtiari, uh, Yash, uh, Runyon, uh, those guys all graded out pretty terribly in run blocking. And then Tunyon and, and Dylan were kind of the, uh, you know, uh, wall of shame, uh, really bad run blockers. So we're going to skip all that because it's not super fun or interesting. Um, but the run blocking has to get better. I think the pass blocking is still just really, um, I, I think it's subpar. I, I don't think this is a very good offensive line yet through three games um, need to see uh, more improvement there. PFF has a view that you can look at that just shows you the entire lineup and you can kind of put them in a couple different alignments, but uh, you see how all your receivers, tight ends, quarterback, running backs, um, uh, offensive line, all grayed out and same thing for the defense. And so you can kind of see like uh, almost feels like heat maps of like, these are the parts of your offense or defense that, are really struggling and our receivers are doing fine. Randall Cobb is the 12th highest graded uh, receiver right now. Romeo Dobbs is the 21st. So two top 32 guys uh, at receiver. I'm fine with that. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, really you want two top 64 guys. Lazard is at 49. So we got three top 64 wide receivers, you know, that's that's not half bad. Rodgers is sitting at seventh overall among quarterbacks. Jones, Aaron Jones is at fifth out of running backs. Tunyon doing a pretty poor job at 40th out of 65. Again, I don't I don't know that um, Tunyon's grades are super fair because I feel a lot of the time when I watch him play, I think he's making a lot of stud plays. I don't see a ton of terrible reps from him. Maybe one or two here or there that are pretty bad, but... For the most part, I think Tunyon probably should be graded out a little higher than he is. The defense largely looks pretty good, uh, but here's who doesn't look good at all. I mean, obviously our safeties, but who, the offensive line for the Packers right now, they're all sitting in like that orangey gold subpar territory. Uh, Runyon is the 48th highest graded guard. Royce is 38th. So 48 and 38. So we don't have a top 32 guard. Josh Myers is sitting at 22nd uh, for center. Elton Jenkins is sitting at 45th out of 70 tackles. And then Bakhtiari is not ranked because he's only played one game. 
Um, but he has a 64 grade based on this one game. Again, I was pleased with Bakhtiari. Um, have not been pleased so far with Jenkins. And then I think Runyon, Myers, and Newman are a pretty subpar interior group. This offensive line, I'm hoping, really gels together a lot better after they have had more time to play next to each other. I still think that Yash is one of our five best offensive linemen. I'd like to have Yash playing at right tackle. I'd like to kick Elton Jenkins inside, put him back at left guard, move Runyon to right guard, or some combination of those two guys playing our guard spots. I think that would be huge. Don't think the Packers are going to do that. I really want them to. I don't think they're going to. Um, but uh, there you go. I think that the I think the team looks a lot better right now than they did a week ago. Um, I was not feeling very hopeful one week ago about our odds of becoming a championship level team. I think that the growth we saw from week one to two and two to three has us on a pretty good tra- trajectory. And I'm mostly talking about the defense. I think the offense is still trying to figure itself out, but mostly talking about the defense. Um, I, I I said all along that I thought it was probably going to take four or five games for the offense to really hit a stride and start feeling, figuring itself out. That's four or five games, maybe six games is kind of where I had set the standard. Um, when I have talked about what I thought that this offense could become, that they'd have a slow start and then they would kind of gel together and figure out their new identity. And then they'd start cooking the defense. I was hoping would come out of the gate a little hotter. Uh, but I mean, I think even by game two, they were doing okay. You know, good, not great week three. I thought that this was a fantastic job. I really did, and I think that they're continuing to get better. Um, Darnell Savage is starting to climb out of his hole a bit. Uh, He still has a poor grade overall, but that's, you know, you're factoring in two horrific games and one uh, game where he played a lot better. And then um, Adrian Amos had himself his first good game in a while as well. He has 66 overall. His tackling jumped up to a 79.2. That's fantastic. Um, his coverage grade was a 63. It wasn't terrible last week. It was a 64, but overall, this is his first game where basically every category he was doing. Okay. So that's really encouraging to see, uh, really want to see Darnell continue to ascend as well. If you look at his overall grades, uh, he went from 29 in week one to 62 in week two. Uh, but that was basically only his coverage that contributed to that. His run defense and his tackling grades were quite poor. This week, his grade was a little lower at 51.8, but it was a little more consistent across the board. His run defense jumped up. His tackling shot way up. His coverage went a little bit down, but if you look at him in coverage, he was targeted five times, gave up two receptions for eight yards. With with one yard after the catch. Now he did allow a touchdown, um, but I mean I don't know what to tell you, man. If you're gonna be mad about that, uh, I I just think this is a, an instance where, yeah, the grades matter, but the stats also matter, and I'm not mad about those stats. So the last thing I, I guess has been on my mind is just how the Packers are stacking up against the rest of the league. Um, if you just sort 
just by uh, overall PFF grade. So this is offense and defense, and it's taken all three weeks into account, which includes our horrific game one. The Packers are tied with the Saints for the 13th highest graded team overall. Now, I don't think this is super useful information because if you look at the top teams on this list, who would you expect to find? I think you'd expect to find the Buffalo Bills ranked really highly, probably the Dolphins. Um, I think you probably would expect to see the Eagles, the Ravens, uh, the Chiefs. I think who else has been playing really well? The Jaguars have been playing decently well. Um, I think you would expect to see probably. Did I say the Chiefs already? That might be it. That might be your like your top list. Um, the actual order is Eagles, Ravens, Rams. That one doesn't make any sense to me. The Rams, I don't think, are a good team. Vikings at number four. Chiefs. Falcons, the one and two Falcons at five, tied with the Chiefs. Buccaneers, Bills, Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are one and two and who have been absolutely putrid on offense and in the last two weeks been pretty putrid on defense as well. Uh, And then you have the Niners, who are one and two. You have the Jaguars, which their record, I think, reflects that. And then, of course, the Saints. So I don't think that we have enough data yet to really say that this, um, you know, is is really useful information. Um, I do think it's interesting if you look at points scored and points allowed. The Buccaneers have allowed the fewest points so far through three games, 27 points. Uh, Packers are at sixth. They've allowed 45 points total. Now, their offense is not doing that great. They are, wow, they are quite low. They are at 27th with their 48 points. And if they had one fewer, they would be tied with the Seahawks and 49ers, who I think we can agree are are right now horrific offenses. The offense has to get going, uh, but I think that we all are aware that they're going to. So, But what are some areas where the Packers are shining? Well, if we look at, uh, let's see, overall defense, the Packers actually only rank 19th, um, and a big part of that comes from the horrific tackling in the first two games and horrific run defense. That's been what has really killed them is the run defense in those first two games was just, I mean, I can't even state how awful it was. But if you look at offense, they are actually sitting at 7th. Uh, the only category that's really killing them is uh, run blocking with 56.8. Um, and then every, every other category is in positive territory. Uh, their running grade at 81.5 ranks fourth behind only the Vikings, Cardinals, and Browns. And those are three teams that right now can kind of only run the ball. Uh, let's see. Passing, uh, they're sitting at seventh. Behind the Eagles, Dolphins, Ravens, Buccaneers, and Chiefs. So, you know, not terrible. But one thing that is um, kind of encouraging and exciting to me is when you look at who all the best teams in the league are. Most of them are AFC teams. I think, you know, shoot me here, but I think the Philadelphia Eagles have looked like the best team in the NFC through three weeks. And they are 3-0. If you look at uh, 
the other teams who have won two games, you got, uh, let's see, the Dolphins are sitting at three wins, AFC team. Uh, the Bucks are at two wins. Of course, we still win from them. Um, I don't think the Rams are good. All right, the the Ram the Rams are rating highly right now, but I just I'm not a believer. I really am not. I'm doubting the Rams. Um, they don't scare me at all. They don't have any players. They got Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, and that's it. <laughs> they don't have any other good players. Uh, let's see, the Giants are at two wins, but they have looked awful. Uh, they actually <laughs> this is amazing. They have allowed more points than they have scored, and yet they have um, a positive win loss record. Uh, the Vikings um, are just barely ahead in points for versus points against. They are 58 and 55. I don't think that the Vikings are a fantastic team, but I think they are the team we should be the most concerned about right now because our number one priority is winning our division. So if you're looking, if you're keeping score right here, we got the Eagles, the Buccaneers, and the Vikings. So far, the only three teams that I think are even worth keeping an eye on. And then it's a huge pile of AFC teams. Um, let's see, Dolphins, uh, let's see, Dolphins, Chiefs, Jaguars, Broncos, Browns, Bills, Ravens. Uh, the next uh, NFC team that you come up against, really, I think is Washington. Uh, there are a couple teams, all right, Arizona, San Francisco that I think are sleeping giants. I'm not really worried about Dallas, but I think that Arizona and San Francisco can jump up and be a threat. But I think that they I would kind of put them in a similar category as like the Packers where they have the talent. They have kind of underperformed a little bit, but you could see a pretty easy path to them getting good again, maybe a little bit tougher for the Cardinals than for the 49ers. But I mean, this is this is a pretty, um, pretty doable list right here. You got to beat Philly, Tampa, who we already beat once, and uh, Minnesota. What's Tampa going to look like at the end of the year? Obviously, that's you know remains to be seen. I think the Eagles do look really good. They have outscored their opponents so far by thirty six points. I think the Lions could give us some trouble, um, except that, that defense is just garbage hot garbage but their offense has really been cooking uh they are just four points behind the ravens right now in terms of most points scored ravens are at 99 lions are at 95 but overall i mean the superpowers in the nfl right now feel like ravens dolphins bills maybe the chiefs i think i think mahomes is not playing well but the the chiefs as a as a whole look pretty good i think the browns are going to be pretty good. I mean, even with Jacoby Brissett under center, they are kind of doing whatever they want. They had that one bad game against the Jets, but I think that this is a team that probably could still play really well this season. Um, and I just don't see any teams in the NFC to really be scared of, you know? So, like I said, very encouraging. Uh, do you think you can beat the Eagles? I think we can. Um, Tampa, we did it once, I think full strength Tampa with all their wide receivers back probably is a little bit harder to, you know, uh, do business with, <laughs> but this is kind of what I said, uh, before the season, I was looking at the teams in the NFC who I thought were really, um, concerning 
And I think that this is through three weeks is a more positive picture uh, so far than we thought it was going to be. So backers have to clean up a lot of stuff and, um, you know, put, put together a little bit more of a uh, winning formula on offense. I saw, think we saw some really encouraging stuff in the first half this week, but need to be consistent for four quarters. And I really like the trajectory the defense is on. So I think uh, my my prediction here is that in the next few weeks, the Packers are going to assert themselves as kind of the dominant superpower in the NFC. And I'm not sure who else there is really to challenge that label right now. Maybe it's the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts is doing a good job. Um, but that defense uh, is good, but it's got some holes. Um, and you can run on the Eagles. You can run on them with ease. So that's that's the big thing there. And uh, so if we have to go up against them, I like our running attack against the Eagles. So we'll see what they can do. And the Eagles, I don't think, are a particularly good running team themselves. So if we have a healthy stable of DBs, uh, you know, you're looking at the Packers who are, you know, their their bread and butter on defense is stopping the pass. And then their bread and butter on offense is uh, running the ball. And that just does not match up very well for the Eagles. So long story short, I like our odds. All right, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a fantastic day. Go Pack Go.